Welcome to the Invest Like a Boss podcast. I'm Sam Marks. And I'm Johnny FD. We're self-made entrepreneurs who invest our own money and use modern technology to invest like a boss. Join us each week for exclusive interviews with our network of modern investors, business owners, and multimillionaires to discover new ways to invest our hard-earned cash. Hey guys, it's Johnny and welcome to episode 110 of the Invest Like a Boss podcast. I'm out here in Chiang Mai, Thailand, and Sam, where did you go in the last week? I have no idea where you are. Secret place, buddy. No one can know. No one can know. No, I'm (laughs) down in the beautiful, wonderful paradise of Koh Samui. Anyone that doesn't know, an island in the Gulf of Thailand. So it's on the, what is that, the east side of mainland Thailand. But it's beautiful here. It's just before high season kicks in and all the tourists flood it. So everything's well-priced. The tourism's low. And I'm loving it. Wait, it's November. Isn't it monsoon season there right now? (laughs) Yeah. So I flew in through a monsoon yesterday. It was a horrible flight, as you can imagine. And everything's flooded. Everything's (laughs) flooded. But it was was incredible. Last night, um, I have this, this private pool villa down in Lamai. Johnny, I'm sure you're familiar with where Lamai is. Mm-hmm. And I was just sitting outside of my pool villa under cover and laying down. There's like an outside hammock at my villa and it was covered and it was raining and it was just the most peaceful thing you could ever imagine. Just laying there in the rain and listen to listen to the waves crash. It was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely love those islands. I'm definitely going to go there in February, but when the sun's yeah. back out and it stops raining. Yeah, it's it's odd because in northern Thailand, this is November is typically a very nice month, but down here, uh, it's not there yet, and you got to wait till at least I guess December, January. Yep, but it is a beautiful place, and that's a pro tip. I guess this week's travel tip is yeah. <laughs> when you come to Thailand, even though it's not that big of a country, the climates change a lot versus if you're on the islands on the east coast or the west coast, if you're in the cities in the north or the south. So. If the weather is bad in one place, it might be amazing in, a, in another. Indeed, indeed. So speaking of travel, this week's guest has had a pretty interesting life. I mean, I, I didn't start following John Thomas until this week, but you've been following him for a while, haven't you? John Thomas was one of the very early inspirations to me and my, and my father as well. My, my father's been following him for longer, but... Just after college, I started reading some of his newsletters that are put out by Matt, a hedge fund trader and the diary of uh, Matt, a hedge fund trader. And he is so his newsletters are very easy to relate to. His lifestyle is incredible. I'm not going to spoil it, but you guys will hear a little bit about it on this episode of how he set up his life and how he mixes travel with business. But he's got a rich history of finance, travel and all types of incredible things that all of us, I think, will will be uh, inspired by for sure. But yeah, I started following his stuff right after college, you know, a very impressionable time in life, you know, going through a lot of ups and downs trying to find yourself. And I would be reading, you know, his newsletters over my dad's shoulder and he would, here's John Thomas, the guy I'd never heard of, but he's just finished climbing the Matterhorn. He's on the Orient Express heading through Switzerland and he's put, putting out all these these insights on the markets and trading and everything. And I'm like, wow, man, this guy's, this guy's made it like this is this is a, a lifestyle that I would always have dreamed of. And, you know, that helped me kind of create some of um, my big goals ahead of, of me. And then also got me really interested in, in the stock market and trading. Well, that's really cool. I'm glad we we're able to do some of that now. Uh, but I think I like investing wise, we're, we're quite different. Actually, he's, you know, you're probably a lot closer to John Thomas's 
uh, style than mine. I'm definitely more mm-hmm. on the passive index side. So I'd be curious when you interview him, definitely ask him about that. But I, I'm, I'm excited to listen to what he has to say because he's definitely a smart guy. He's done a lot of cool things. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So just a little background for anyone who's not familiar with John Thomas. He served in two different wars in special ops as a pilot. He worked for the Financial Times and The Economist in Japan and China covering the war and also revolution in China and then went on to create a hedge fund, sold a hedge fund. And as so many business people do, ended up getting back into business and now runs Mad Hedge Fund Trader. And basically his style of investing is active. Um, We'll go into a lot more of this, I'm sure, in the episode coming up. But I think you guys are going to like what he has to say. It's um, it's really cool how he set up his new business. And it's very cool how he lives his lifestyle, very active, balancing lifestyle and finance and still very hungry. I think you'll see through a little bit of this episode and his history that he stayed very active, kept a lot of goals ahead of him and uh, is continuing to live a really, really cool life. All right. Well, it sounds exciting. Let's take a listen and then let's hop back on to have a chat. Here's John Thomas. Everybody, welcome back. John Thomas, welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much. And hello from sunny San Francisco. Well, you've been such an inspiration to me for many years, not just in a financial sense, but also lifestyle design. And you really have a thirst for adventure and a willingness to help a lot of other people. So it's a privilege to have you on. And I've looked and followed along with your life for quite some time. And you've had some incredible chapters serving in the military in Desert Storm. You worked in Japan and covered war and revolution in China. Of course, ran a hedge fund and now the Mad Hedge Fund Trader. You know, looking back in all the different places that you've lived, is there a particular period that kind of stands out as one of the more interesting chapters of your life? And the best part is ahead. That's right. You know, as far as any individual event, it seems like, Every single thing I've done in my life prepared me for what I'm doing now. You know, each led to the other. Uh, You know, getting a science degree from UCLA got me into the stock market because I knew how to use a calculator. You know, living in Japan 10 years, you know, uh, opened the door for me to go into journalism. That meant writing. Uh, Then I got into the hedge fund business because I was the only person in the world who knew about Japan. Uh, you know, and then I uh, was able to retire at the dot-com bust. I think I missed the top by four months and got into the oil business. And that then set me up cash rich going into the crash, which we made another fortune on. So it's just you're always going for the next great opportunity. You never stop moving and you need to be hyper aggressive. Love it. John, on this show, we talk a lot about passive income approaches, and I'm really excited today to speak in part about your active approach to continuously beating the market. And going back, can you recall the first investment or first trade that you ever made in your lifetime? I do. I was 11 years old. I was a paper boy for the Los Angeles Herald Examiner, and I bought a company called Gar Wood, which uh, makes uh, customize uh, racing boats. And they're still a listed company, incredibly. And I made money on that, and I took the profits on that and rolled it into IBM. <laughs> and this is in 1960s when IBM was trading for a tiny fraction of where it is now. 
That's awesome. And yeah, and I, I saw on your recent webinar, you're not as much a fan of IBM today as I guess you were in the 1960s. No, you know, it's IBM in 1963 was like Apple is today. It was dominant. Everyone had to own it. Uh, looked like it had a great future. And it's, you know, it's just, you know, what they teach you at Morgan Stanley is is today's AAA credit is tomorrow's triple C, you know, that uh, if you look back 100 years at the Dow average, not a single member of the Dow average from 100 years ago is in there today. Mm. I mean, the last one to go was General Electric. It left about two years ago. Hmm. Well, John, how come so many active managers fail to beat the market when you've been able to do it so consistently year in, year out? Is there kind of a common error that they all, as a, as a group, seem to make? Uh, you know, there are lots of common errors. For a start, they take out huge management fees and expenses. So that eats up about 5% of their capital right there. You know, they may disclose a one, one and a quarter percent commission, but they're actually taking out a lot more in, you know, audit fees and uh, so on. Um, you know, they even used to bill the funds for strip clubs, but I don't think <laughs> that's allowed anymore. But they were definitely doing that in the 70s and 80s. Um, the other thing is that, you know, they're, they, they have a herd mentality, you know, everybody wants to be doing the safe thing. Uh, so everyone buys the same stocks and that's essentially a guarantee for not what's not going to work. You know, if you're always with the herd, you're always going to underperform. So, uh, those are two major reasons right there. Makes a lot of sense. And speaking of beating the market and performance, can you clue us into the trade alerts or the performance of the mad hedge fund trader since as far back as you guys have been actually been tracking? I think it goes back almost almost a decade now. Yeah, we uh, have a rep record that goes back 11 years. We have averaged 34.8% per year. This year, we are up 33% with the Dow average up exactly zero. Uh, and last year we hit 40, the year before that we were at 58%. So we always try to deliver absolute returns, whether the market goes up, down, or sideways, and we actually make more money in falling markets than we do rising ones. I think for a lot of listeners, it's hard to, it's hard to grasp what the magnitude of 35% compounding annually is, and, and also how to actually achieve that and, and the simplicity of that. But it, what the message was really dr driven home to me when I attended your luncheon in Atlanta and was speaking to one of your, I think it was the longest subscriber. Uh, I forget her name fails me, but, and she had, re she had made, I think 35 or 40 times return on her initial capital just by ch following the trade alerts. And it was really, uh, yeah, she turned $50,000 into 2 million. And that works out to, uh, a return of 40 times in 10 years. And at one point she was making so much money, her husband wouldn't let her out of her office. He brought, he brought in her meals <laughs> yeah. said, and said, keep trading. Uh, speaking uh, when they first found the service, they took an initial account of 5,000 and turned it to 185,000 in three weeks. And then, you know, then she was just doing futures outright, you know, and, a lot of futures traders will key off our market timing uh, 
and deliver spectacular returns. Every year we get one guy, one or two, who brings in a thousand percent return. That's incredible. Yeah, and I, I was I, last year. You know, only traded the yen. He used me for the market timing, and he made a thousand percent return. He turned uh, five hundred thousand dollars into five million, and then he retired. You know, this oh my is, gosh, this guy's like fifty-four. He retired to coach his son's hockey team. You know, he lived in, uh, you know, Canada, and he bought a brand new Tesla Model X P100D, and uh, you know, for cash, which in Canada is like two hundred thousand dollars, and then mm -hmm. uh, coached his son hockey team. You know, it was a great way to end a career. <sighs> That's incredible. Good for him and good for you as well. And all these strategies that you're implementing to come up with the trade alerts and to trigger the trade alerts, are these the same type of strategies that you've been using for the last couple of decades or is there anything? The last five decades. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it, it's evolved over five decades, you know, because different instruments become available. You know, we didn't really have individual equity options uh, in the 70s. Uh, you know, the spy came along, I believe, in the 80s. So you have to keep evolving your strategies to take advantage of the instruments that come out. You know, whenever a new instrument does come out, usually you make a fortune off of it because it takes a long time for other people to figure it out. Right. Very cool. Now, with someone that might have relatively little investing experience, especially trading experience like myself, what would the learning curve be in following these trade alerts that you send out? Well, we always tell people to start trading on paper. Mm -hmm. You know, don't do the trade alert using real money. Use your online uh, trading account model trading platform. And if you can get the uh, trade alerts to work on paper, then you graduate to real money, but you only do one share, one contract. And when you're making money on that, then you ramp it up to two, three, or four, and pretty soon you'll be doing a thousand contracts a trade like I do. Hmm. I, I love the story of, of how your customer was the lady. She was making so much money that her husband wouldn't let her leave the office. And I was just having this conversation with my girlfriend who's looking for new work, and I couldn't help but think that maybe that would be an interesting setup and an interesting lifestyle design. And I think the beauty of your system is that you can make it available for, for just about anybody. It doesn't have to be uh, an executive with a lot of experience. It can be somebody relatively new. And if they use this this uh, this paper-based model first to get into the system and kind of get get their, get it all working, then they can graduate into real money. And I think that's a really solid approach. Yeah. You know, what most beginners do is they use real money to start. They take huge positions. Uh, it goes a little bit against them. Uh, they bail out, they lose money, they get discouraged, and they give up. Mm -hmm. You know, whereas the exact opposite approach is much more productive if you're interested in building a career. You know, we have followers in 137 countries, and we have several hundred who only watch our trade alert service, and that's their full-time living. That's all they do. You know, they'll trade, you know, six or seven months a year and take the rest off and sit on the beach somewhere in Thailand or someplace like that. That's where so, I am. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, ah, well, then you know how nice it is. Yeah, absolutely. At least you don't have people shooting at you like uh, they did when I was there uh, 45 years ago. Oh, gosh. was That that was nothing military-related, was it? It was. I was flying for the CIA out of Utapau. 
Oh, a new which I don't think is there anymore. It used to be a giant American airbase right on the Cambodian border. And oh yeah, it's where the CIA ran all the missions out of for Cambodian Laos. Oh wow, I, I didn't know you served in that as well. But thanks again for your service. But always finding new interesting tidbits of information about you, John. It's wonderful. So if we go back into the trading stuff, like let's say you start with a count of say a hundred thousand dollars. How would you break that into how would you know how much of that to allocate into each trade in a in a, a smart way? Well, we run a model portfolio of a hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars. We break it up into ten ten thousand dollar lots. And you know, when you know, when we're not so confident about the market, we'll only have one or two positions worth ten or twenty thousand dollars. When we get highly confident, which we just so happen to be on uh, October 27th, we go 100% long. You know, when we expect a very quick, rapid, short-term pop in the market, and that's exactly what we did. And after October 27th, the value of our portfolio rose 12% in two days. So we actually ended up being profitable for October when the entire rest of the industry got slaughtered. And we're already up another 3% in uh, November. And the the concept kind of being that 90% 90% of your trades win uh, or make money in a sense. So that if you if you break it into 10 slices, like if you brought it into two slices and, and you had one of those lose, then obviously is really detrimental to your account, right? But at if you break it into basically 10 slices, you have enough diversification. Not really. You know, if you mm-hmm. stop out quickly, you can limit your losses to 1% or 2%. So if the winners, you know, make 2% each, uh, the losers lose 2%. You can play a 90-10 game all day long, and you're just way, way ahead of the game. Occasionally, you know, there's an extreme market event. You know, you you're there's a giant down opening. Your stop losses can't get done. Maybe you'll lose 3 or 4%. That happens about once a year. But uh, overall, uh, the math is overwhelmingly in your favor. And let me tell you, they're idiots who are doing the strategy who know nothing about markets, picking their names by throwing darts at a dartboard and if you stop out of your losses losses quickly and run your longs you'll make money and that's basically how most of wall street works although instead of a 50 50 success ratio which is typical on wall street which is equal to a coin toss we're up in the 90 10 level and john do you have a favorite trading platform to use to execute these trades whether it be e-trade or interactive brokers or something else you know i'm using interactive brokers they have a great options trading platform. They have model portfolios. They have training. Uh, you know, but pretty much they're all the same now. They're all based off the same uh, computer platforms. You know, with automatic automatic execution in the markets and so on. So there's really little difference between the major platforms. You just have to pick the one that you feel the most comfortable with. And in your success, would you say that? it's more based on an information advantage or an analytical advantage or, or something entirely different? You know, it's really all of the above. You have to use all the tricks at hand to continuously make money in this market. You know, we use fundamental analysis, technical analysis, uh, and watching the markets for 50 years, nothing new ever happens. You just have to decide, are we repeating 1978 again or 1986 or mm-hmm. 1994, you have to just figure out which 
cycle repeat we're in, then you know exactly what's going to happen next. We've had some some big bears on this podcast in the past couple of years, and I know that you're bullish on the market long term for sure. And it's great and refreshing to hear that, especially as as a young investor, we like to think of. Oh, we see Dow 120,000 uh, by 2030, you know, and people at your age, you're about to enter the golden age of investment. Mm-hmm. Anything you touch in 2020 is going to go up 10 times by 2030. And everyone's going to think you're an investment genius. <laughs> I know because I've been through two of those cycles. Yeah. You know, anything you touched in the 80 made you look like a genius. Uh, anything in the 90s, you look like a bigger genius because you were buying technology stocks. And uh, I look like a genius in the 80s because I was buying Japanese stocks. Right. Wait long enough, everybody becomes a genius. There you go. Obviously, population growth is one of the factors that are common in both those decades and through the 2020s. What are some of the other major driving forces that you see pushing the Dow to that high by 2030? Well, the the big things are the millennials become big spenders. You know, they enter their peak spending years, which are 40 to 45. Uh, but also the rate of technology uh, improvement is roughly 10 times what it was in the 90s. Uh, you know, you, we just see, you know, we run a technology uh, service and we just see so many opportunities where the potential is exponential demand in the 2020s. You almost can't count them all. You imagine cancer being cured. Imagine quantum computers uh, computing at one trillion times faster than today's computers. You know, imagine the possibilities there. Uh, mm-hmm. I've seen the Google operating system that they're not going to roll out for five more years. And that's incredible. So the future is about to get extremely exciting. All we have to do is get through one more recession next year and in 2020, and then we'll be off to the races. And as an active trader that's continuously beat the market, you know, what are your thoughts on passive investing via indexes? And is there a type of person that you ever recommend that for? Well, we're about to leave the golden age of passing investing and enter the golden age of active investing. When someone parks their money in an index fund, leaves it there for a year and makes more money than hedge funds uh, who invest millions in research, you know that situation isn't going to continue for very long. Partly that was the result of quantitative easing, which expanded the global money supply for 10 years. Well, that's ending. Uh, And part of it's because we've had a raging bull market for 10 years uh, where, you know, picking stocks was like shooting fish in a barrel. Well, that's about to end. So, uh, people are about to have a harsh awakening on the passive investing front. 50 years of investing experience. Are, we have a lot of younger listeners on this podcast, a lot of millennial investors getting started, getting their, their feet wet and their foundation for a, a long investing career. Are there just a couple of principles that you have that you would always pass along to anyone who asked and just in terms of general investing principles? Yeah, stay humble. The markets are always smarter than you. When people get stubborn, that's when they lose a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Uh, bail out of losers quickly. It's easier to dig out of a small hole than a big hole. And I tell my staff every day, it's work in, profit out. The more work you put into this, learning a new skill, learning the markets, reading research, the more money you'll take out of it. That applies to a basic beginner. It applies to me today. I do 12 to 15 hours of research a day because I absolutely love it. 
I'm always looking for that last thing, which I don't know. Very cool, John. And I know that just through your career and also through your lifestyle, you've traveled I, probably countless countries. How important do you think travel has been in, in your financial success? Do you think you could have been as successful if you had been kind of in a single location, more like like Buffett in Omaha? Well, Buffett uh, is successful because of when he started. <laughs> you know, in 1942, the uh, uh, U.S. had just won the Battle of Midway, uh, but it was top secret. And that's exactly when he started investing in stocks. So when you start with a Dow average of 80, which is when Warren Buffett started, you have a much bigger success of chance than someone starting when it's 25,000. But also Buffett had a discipline which he still honors to this day. Uh, you know, only sticking with value stocks, only buying large cash flows and dividends. And by the way, he had great teachers. I mean, Graham and Dodd wrote the book on value investing, and he worked for them directly in New York when he was at Columbia University. Mm-hmm. By the way, he's a subscriber to our letter. He has oh, been for since the very beginning, eleven years ago. And in and in your travels, have you have you found that that's helped your information and and analytics, internal analytics. You know, you really learn that going to a place and seeing things up front with your own eyes, you reach completely different conclusions than if you just read about it on the internet Mm -hmm. or hear about it secondhand. You know, nothing beats on the ground research. And I've been doing that my whole life. I, I can't tell you how many of times I went to a place with a preconceived uh, impression and turned out to be totally wrong. Right. And that's yeah. the news business. That's, you know, where, where you find the investment opportunities. You know, when the market has stuff wrong and you've done the research to show what the right answer is, that's where the big money is made. I mean, I spent a ton of time with Tesla 10 years ago going into their IPO, and I knew this was the real deal. I knew the engineering made sense, the demand was there. We got into the stock at $16.50. Oh, my and gosh. And And, you know, we have a whole bunch of stories like that. You know, 10 years ago, no one would touch a Chinese Internet company, you know, with a 10-foot pole. So we bought Baidu at $12, and it went to two fifty. And I can tell you countless stories like that. Love it. And Tesla, off in a tangent, you're still a long, you're a long Tesla. You believe it'll become the biggest, the world's biggest car company in the future? I think it goes 10 times higher than here. I think, you know, there'll be a trillion dollar company in 10 years. Half of that will be cars. Half of that will be their solar and battery businesses. Uh, and they'll be the world's largest car company. And they'll be selling, you know, entry level model, model electric cars for $20,000. And GM or Ford won't even be able to get close to that. You know, nor will Daimler-Benz or BMW or Toyota. They're just so far ahead in the technology. No one will ever be able to catch Love up. It. I look forward to that day. By the way, I'm on my third Tesla. I'm on my third Tesla now. Yeah, and you're you're living proof of the the safety of those things as well. I know. I totaled two it's of incredible. them. Incredible. So we'll we'll share a, a photo of that I think is in one of your either your webinar or one of your recent newsletters, but. We'll share a photo of that for the listeners. They can see it's pretty incredible. Yeah, I have to tell you, insurance 
companies fail to see the humor in you totaling a $150,000 car, let alone doing it twice. So I tend to change insurance companies uh, often. Basically, insurance companies hate me. I've also totaled three airplanes. So uh, I tend to shop around a lot. Uh, the listeners want to know when you're going to be raffling off a, a trip up in one of the Spitfires over England. Well, I you know I don't have to raffle it off. You can rent these guys for five thousand dollars an hour. You know, cool. just you know, Google uh, rental Spitfire White Cliffs of Dover, and the site will pop up. They have a a two seat Spitfire trainer, which I'm going up in next summer. But John, we want to go up with you flying the plane. I'm not sure they would allow that. <laughs> uh, you know, people with these two million dollar vintage airplanes are pretty particular on who they let fly them. So uh, you can only go up with a co-pilot. Got it, got it. If you want to go up on your own, you have to buy it. Uh, yeah. I... And a functioning Spitfire these days is around $2.5 million. Oh, my. Wow. What a privilege. But just a couple questions to wrap up the episode. Just interested in, in the lifestyle design because I think the way that you have it set up is so admirable perfect. yeah perfect, perfect. Word you're looking for. yeah we've done a dedicated episode on this because you know millennials are, for better or worse are, are have more choice probably now than in any era in, in terms of how they set up their life where they work where they live and i think a lot of people are as as exciting as it is it's it's a lot of it's a lot of navigating um but the way that you have it set up right now is part-time in san francisco part-time in tahoe i believe the winter's and part-time in Switzerland. It's hard to hard to come up with three better than that. Did you f kind of fall into that, or was that more by design or a, more of a lifetime goal? You know, I've been traveling for 50 years, and these are my favorite places in the world. Uh, you know, I have a chalet in Switzerland with a spectacular view of the Matterhorn. I usually climb the Matterhorn once a year. When I'm not, I'm doing uh, climbing local mountains and you know, doing at least 5,000 vertical feet a day when I'm there. Uh, Tahoe, I hike the Tahoe Rim Trail all winter. I do it with snowshoes. I snowshoe maybe 600 miles a year with a 60-pound pack. It's my health care <laughs> plan. It helps me live forever. Uh, and uh, here in San Francisco, um, I'm right next to Grizzly Peak. I do t 10 miles a night over there. So I always get my best trading ideas hiking uphill with a heavy pack. That's incredible. Both both those things, hiking the Matterhorn and snowshoeing around Lake Tahoe, both on my bucket list. And the, the Matterhorn is just a single day hike, isn't it? You have to summit in a day? It is. You start at two in the morning and you uh, get to the top at about six and then you're down by noon. Pretty incredible. Well, John, you're an inspiration to all of us, both the financial success, your service and your lifestyle design. I can't think of someone who's, that's more complete in those areas and I uh, am very thankful for you coming on the, the show and speaking to us about some of the, the wisdom and experience that you've gained over your career and helping us to take a, a look at an active approach to beating the market. And I just want to thank you again for your time. Yeah, if you want to get our research for free, just go to our website at www.madhedgefundtrader.com and there will be a little free research sign up there. That will get you on our list. And uh, uh, get you invitations to emergency strategy webinars. We just had one last week that got basically our entire customer base into the market at the absolute low of the year <laughs> at the meltdown bottom. Good stuff. Well, we look forward to taking a look at it and hopefully raking in those profits 
John, thanks again. We'll catch you next time. Okay, great to talk to you. I can definitely see Sam in one of these fighter jets. Please do not go rent one to fly one. (laughs) I don't want to fly one. I want to go with him. I want to be in the back. (laughs) That would be so sick. So sick. One of those Spitfires. Yeah, I can imagine you with um, your selfie stick in the Spitfire. If you guys haven't seen it, (laughs) uh, we'll we'll put a photo in the show notes. They're these like old school fighter planes. They, They look really cool. We'll have to get a photo from John because he's I know he's got a lot of photos of him in them. But those Spitfires were were the World War Two planes. I believe this is right, that they were the World War Two plane that the uh, that the allies used, specifically the English. And the Germans were kind of always one step ahead of the allies with their with their war technology. But the when the the, the English got this kind of new engine that they put in the Spitfire and then the Spitfire was kind of ahead of the the Germans, and uh, it really kind of changed the battle in the air in World War II. All right, well, that's exciting. Not as exciting as those 35% returns he's been getting, though. Damn. You know what 35% looks like compounded oh, like over insane. the course of 10 years? It's crazy, right? It really is insane. Like It's it's unfoundable because it just doesn't happen normally. You're right. And so I shout out to my dad, by the way, for he set up um, – uh, John, wherever John travels, he sets up, sets up little meetups. John, it's something you and I should probably start doing uh, with iLab. But John sets up meetings, kind of luncheons, where you can go and you can sit down with them, have lunch, of course, and then kind of just ask him whatever you want to do. And my dad and I have wanted to do it for, for several years and finally found a date to do it. So we just did it recently in Atlanta. I put up a photo of, uh, of John Thomas and I at that luncheon with a, a tie strangling my neck I'm not used to. But... I was sitting right next to a lady who she, I mean, you know, very unassuming, very nice lady. And she was one of the oldest subscribers to John's newsletter. And she had been, and that's who we talked about in the episode. And she was talking about the type of money that she made just following the trades. And I was just like blown away because it's, it's one thing to hear about the returns. And it's another thing to be with a customer that's basically just done it for the last eight years and, and uh, made a killing. So it's awesome. Well, I just did a, a quick compound interest calculator. It looks like if you started with ten grand, never put anything else in, over the last nine years, compounding at thirty five percent interest, you would have got that ten grand would have turned into a hundred and forty eight thousand, which is incredible. But if you bump that up to thirty years, let's say you can keep that up somehow for thirty years, starting with mm-hmm. ten grand, never adding anything else in, guess how much you would have? I don't know. Snowballing is going to come into play pretty quick. Do you think it'll be over a million? I think it'll be over. I think it'll be over three million. Eighty-one million dollars. Oh man! Dang. That is the power of compound interest, and it's insane. And that is the power of getting started early. Yeah, but you know? not to play the the negative Nancy, but it is really like it is almost impossible to grow steadily at 35% for 30 years. Sure, for sure. But any of those compounding interest calculations, if you take a long enough time horizon, I really feel like that the most important thing is just getting started early. If you get started with like a Roth IRA and just put it in index funds, but you get started when you're 18, like if by the time you're 60, if you if you assume any type of moderate interest, moderate growth, you're you're going to just crush it. Yeah. And, you know, another part of it is just, you know, 
actually adding money into it. It's not realistic to start ten grand and never put anything else into it. Just mm-hmm. by, by simply putting in, you know, another ten grand a year, which you know isn't really that that difficult. Start with ten grand, put another ten grand a year. Even at a modest ten percent interest rate, you would grow over thirty years. You would have almost two million dollars, which is you know plenty fine for most people. Yeah, and that's just a pa- that's generally just a passive approach as well, right? Yeah, but if we were able to get thirty five percent consistent returns, that eighty one million would now be close to four hundred thousand million dollars. <laughs> four hundred thousand million dollars. Yeah. <laughs> And that's why wow. I get I got so excited listening to his interview, but also watching his webinar and seeing you know what was what's possible. I mean, because he's had you know on the webinar he showed some of his numbers, and for the last nine years he's had a, this great track record. But it, it honestly it goes against everything that you know I believe in with like steady, consistent returns, not trying to not trying to time the market, not trying to beat the market, and just investing in low-cost index funds. Like, what are your thoughts on this? Well, I think I'm transitioning more from a entrepreneur to a full-time investor, right? So going back four or five years ago, I was, or actually a little bit longer, six years ago, I was full-time entrepreneur, not investing at all. Sold the business. Then I was kind of like part-time investor, part-time entrepreneur, getting new projects started. Uh, And now I'm trying to transition fully out into generally a full-time investor, and I think like, you know, as much as the whole passive approach is awesome and it allows me, affords me to live the lifestyle I want to, you got to be active with something, right? So if I'm not doing my own businesses in a sense, I need to do something a little bit more active with investing because I'm not just going to go hiking, surfing, you know, getting massages all day in Thailand. Like I, I need, I need to do something, right? And I think it, doing something like this, not only would it be fun and rewarding, but you would also learn a ton about markets and investing in finance even if you just did it for a year or two right you just learn so much so i i think it's it's really appealing it's really interesting and now that i'm, I'm getting some more free time uh, some of my projects start requiring a little bit less active time i think something like this would be really cool to do yeah i could definitely see it being exciting and i watched you know his webinar he definitely knows what he's talking about you know and it's exciting you know it's fun and you know he's a smart guy so it's te- it's really tempting to say you know what let's let's check him out and let's see you know it's it's basically like you're you're riding his wave because i'm i'm mm-hmm. sure that he's investing in what he's talking about and that's you know that's why he's so passionate about it so obviously he's putting a lot of time and effort into it i just don't know if that's something that i want to risk because even though it's such a high return it's also i guess another i don't want to call it a another job but it kind of is right because you're mm-hmm. you're actively research, you know i mean i guess he could be researching you can just go into the trades but it sounds like this like for me i'm i'm all about the passive index investing but it is exciting to hear from someone who is on the extreme other side and just crushing it yeah it's pretty awesome and it's at one point i was like man well john's got 50 years of of investing experience trading experience and at one point, I was like, is he calling like all these shots? Is he making all these trades? But then you find out like he's got a massive team of analysts behind him that's 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 doing this stuff, right? Feeding him a lot of information. So, yeah, I'm, I'm sure he's making a lot of these these calls himself. But he's also getting fed a lot, a lot of information, just like a, a hedge, fund, hedge fund would. And in fact, 
hedge funds are actually receiving a lot of their information from Tom in, in many cases or for uh, from John in many cases. So it's really cool. I, I'll tell you what, I, you should definitely sign up for like, the, the free newsletter because it's it's really interesting. Like you'll you'll learn a lot. Like when I started reading these initially, I was just learning a lot about the world and travel, like the Orient Express I'd never heard of. And I would, you know, see him on it and I start researching it. He's got a, you know, we did that episode with Zach a while back um, talking about the the perfect life setup. But dude, San Francisco, Tahoe, Switzerland split in thirds each year. That's got to be up there. That's got to be up there for most people. Yeah, definitely. I mean, to be honest, Switzerland has never been on my radar just because it's so expensive. But maybe I should just make more money and have it not, not be an issue. I'm sure you will, buddy. You've been you've tripled your wealth since we started this podcast. So I have uh, the utmost confidence in you. Well, appreciate it. We'll, we'll talk more about that on the, on the next um, quarterly review at the end of the year. Let's see how the markets go. But I am excited you know, to hear that he, they've been able to keep profits during the downturns because that's actually what a hedge fund is supposed to be. I think a lot of people don't realize the, the literal definition of hedge fund. They originally started as a way to kind of hedge your bets against things going down. Uh, mm-hmm. in, you know, in the last you know, however many years that kind of definition stopped being so literal and people just started using it as a, as a way to kind of, um, I don't want to say speculate as, as things go up, but as a way to just kind of ride the waves going up. But it is nice knowing that it's possible to make money in downturns and we don't have to just hold on and see what happens. Absolutely. And speaking of, I think after our quarterly updates where you kind of threw a, uh, a bone at Art FFX and said, hey, ratchet it up. I want, <laughs> I like the, the ups and downs, but I want higher returns. I don't know if you took a look, but they've, uh, they've been trading really well in the volatility, which was also awesome because in these last, whatever, few weeks that, you know, we lost a lot of money in our, in our index funds. Art FFX has been killing it. They're up like 2% last month and 2% again this month. So same type of thing, right? Make money in any type of market and in down markets, the potential to make more money. Yeah, that was definitely exciting. If you guys want to hear about that episode, more about Art of FX, that was episode three. Uh, and if you guys want to know more about John Thomas and the med, mad hedge fund trader, go to madhedgefundtrader.com. As always, you know, kind of, we're not financial advisors, so always take a look and do your own due diligence. But it does look like a fun thing. So check out his uh, newsletter, subscribe to it, and talk about it in the Boss Lounge. Absolutely. Big shout out to John for coming on the episode and sharing everything that he has. It was a lot of fun interviewing him, a lot of fun meeting him with him in Atlanta. Learned a lot over the last few years and looking forward to following his material more. Johnny, looking forward to catching up in Chiang Mai probably next week when I return. All right. Look forward to having you. Uh, bring me back a coconut or something. <laughs> yeah, buddy. Okay. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> See all of you guys next week. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Best Like a Boss podcast. Join our mailing list at investlikeaboss.com to get exclusive access to our insider investment portfolios and our private members forum. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Tell your friends and leave us a review in the iTunes store. It helps more than you know. See you guys next week.